0: Oh, do you uh, go and, by and Jacob or
1: Jake Jacob and just how do you pronounce your, your last name Gronendal. okay Gronendall and, and you can say Nate yeah yeah I figured I'd do a you know, introduction yeah um, and you're the you, you you do the crypto gaming podcast right okay awesome Hello everybody. This is Jacob, Jacob Schrader, the GM of esports at Zen Sports, here to present the very first episode of the Esports Forever podcast. In this podcast, we're going to talk everything about esports, whether that be traditional esports, whether that be esports leagues. Uh, but you know, we also want to have an emphasis on blockchain gaming, DeFi, NFTs, all of the new stuff that is kind of blowing up in the industry. Uh, you know, I run our esports program at Zen Sports. This podcast is part of the Zen Sports podcast network. Uh, we run tournaments on a plethora of games, including traditional ones, open source games, blockchain games. We work, work really closely closely with Splinterlands. Uh, and I'm joined today here with a, a very special guest. Uh, he actually has a crypto focused gaming podcast of his own, uh, and that's Nate Grun- Uh Nate, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great, uh, Jacob. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Of course, uh, you know it's special. It's our, our first episode, and we've been, we've been talking about this for a while, uh, having you on the podcast.
1: Uh, you know, I, I it, it was funny that I just searched up, you know, crypto or or blockchain gaming podcasts, and yours was the first that that popped up. So you know, credit to you for having great SEO. Um, so so good stuff there. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, about your podcast, you know really about you know you in gaming, and then what led to you getting into blockchain gaming. Uh, and then I figured I could share some of my own experiences as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been pretty much invested in crypto since uh, two thousand and thirteen and um really in the blockchain space in the last year or two. And really, about a year ago, I first sort of heard the idea of blockchain gaming and the idea of being able to own your in-game assets, um, really, uh, re- really appealed to me. Um, so I'm a really big gamer, uh, all the way back to Halo and Sonic the Hedgehog and all those great uh, '90s games. Um, and so a lot of my friends, we started talking about the ability to earn crypto and tournaments that pay you in crypto, and we really couldn't believe that this was sort of getting more attention. Um, so I spent a ton of time playing games like FIFA Ultimate Team where, you know, you're trying to earn players and trade for them. And even though I bought these players, I never actually owned them. I was really just renting them. So the idea that I could own sort of my in-game FIFA cards and profit from selling them, it kind of really blew my mind. Um, and so I got a, kind of got into a foray of blockchain games. And the first one I tried out was Townstar, which they do weekly tournaments. Um, and so... It's pretty much like Farmville on steroids, if anyone's ever played it. And they had this uh, May Mayhem tournament where every week they gave away $250,000. And so uh, I played a little bit. And after a month, I had earned about $750. And a buddy of mine had earned $2,700. And it was sort of after that experience that I'm like, okay, this could really catch on. People can make a lot of money doing this. And no one is talking about it. Traditional gamers don't really care yet. Um, so that's why I sort of decided to start the podcast and show showcase some games that can be both fun and have some earning potential. And now sort of you fast forward to today and actually that Townstar uh, token has skyrocketed and now I have like $30,000 in Gala and my buddy is up to like $200,000. Um, so... It really kind of showed me that there's a huge market potential here, um, and that we really need to sort of start educating uh, typical gamers about the possibilities here and sort of the uh, esports potential.
1: Absolutely, um, that's awesome. That's an awesome story about about Townstar. Um, you know, I, I have never played, but a couple of the early games you brought up really rung a, a bell for me. So the the first game I ever played was Sonic the Hedgehog for the PlayStation Portable. Yeah. Uh, I remember, you know, I, I got a PSP for Christmas one year and, you know, my parents had me open, uh, one of the games first, uh, and the game was Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, so I will forever remember Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, you know, it was a lot of fun and then Halo as well. I used to play Halo with my dad before hockey games actually to get warmed up. We used to say, warm your hands up. Yeah. Uh, And and I would always make him, you know, enter rooms before I did. Uh, you know, we would play all the Halo two missions together with the elites and, uh, I don't know. I I I had a lot of fun with Halo with my um, my dad. So uh, you know, I I really played you know traditional games as well. Um, you know, I kind of got into blockchain gaming for the same reason you did, right? Just the, the value proposition of owning your assets. It it can't. It's something that can't be competed with. Uh, it, it's 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 really you know, w- with FIFA Ultimate Team specifically, just the amount of money that is getting spent on that, right? If you have the IP and you have the the network for competition. People are going to spend the money, uh, and and just the fact that they actually own their assets now in blockchain gaming, it's it's really revolutionary. It's one of it's it's just a complete shift in in how the economy of gaming will work. Uh, you know, not just the publishers making money, but the money being spread out. Um, so you know, I, I I really agree with you there. And and just I mean, Townstar, I have never played it, um, but that's a that's a pretty serious prize pools that they're uh, they're doing two hundred fifty thousand. Is that still uh, happening?
0: Um, uh, so they do the weekly tournament still, but they're not worth nearly as much. Um, so like the top 400 places get paid out. And if you have a good strategy, it's actually pretty easy to place in the top 400. So right now, uh, if you were to get 400th place, you would win about 80 to $90 for that week long competition. Mm-hmm. And the top prize is like $2,700. Um, yeah. so it's still like really, really good, um, But uh, yeah, I mean, back then their coin was like half a cent and now it's like 50 or 60 cents. Um, So it was just like, it was crazy and it's, it's kind of a fun game. It's super casual, um, even to just sort of play around in there and they have a huge community and they're like constantly building up the game. Um, So that's kind of why I've stuck with it also.
1: Yeah. Gala Games does really great stuff. I know they have a lot of games in the pipeline. Uh, they actually just came out with spider tanks, which is a, a arena kind of battler, kind of similar to Thetan arena, a little bit different, but, uh, you know, for the, for the tournaments that they run on townstar, right. When, when you got into the game, I assume the assets were relatively cheap, right. It didn't cost you too much to get started. Right. But nowadays, what would it cost for someone to be able to buy the assets they need in order to make that hundred dollars, uh, each week by placing 400th in this tournament?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, they do. It can be completely free. Um, When I won that money back then, um, the player base was much smaller. um, So, I actually didn't have any NFTs until probably a couple months ago. Um, And so, it was very easy to earn back then. Now, you probably do need an NFT or two. um, And those can run um, probably about $50 for the cheapest one, and some of the NFTs for that game, you know, they're going for like fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, but honestly, um, you can you can finish in the top three to four hundred with without NFTs um, if that's you sort a, of know awesome. what you're doing
1: and know the meta. That's awesome. That's uh, that's something that's, that that to me is kind of rare in blockchain gaming, right? Yes. Where you can be truly competitive and not have you know either gotten in at the very beginning or put a, like a ridiculous amount of capital on the line to. Uh, to, to place highly in tournaments, um, that that's interesting because I was expecting you to say, you know, you need NFTs now, right? You need, you know, you, you need to put two and a half thousand dollars in just to win uh, 70 back each week. Uh, but you're telling me that's not the case.
0: No, I mean, if you want to finish, you know, in the top 200, you absolutely need some help along the way because all of those guys, um, they all have NFTs. They have the meta down. Um, but if you're just looking to sort of place near the back, you absolutely can do that without an NFT. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Um, so they, they do a pretty good job. But I mean, I think that's right now, that's one of the big problems with blockchain gaming is the sort of outrageous price that some of these games are asking for NFTs. And in a lot of cases, it is very pay to win, which is like one of the worst things that gamers want.
1: Yeah, that, that was kind of going to be my next question. I was hoping to segue into the fact that, you know, all of these blockchain games are now pay to win. Right. And that's not, you know, we saw Fortnite, right. And Fortnite did so well because it was the opposite. Right. It was, it was as free as can be. Uh, and, you know, the thing about Fortnite is cosmetics actually decrease your ability to, to perform. Uh, they make your, your, your hitbox bigger. They make it a little bit harder to see, but it doesn't matter because it's, it's such an awesome universe to live in uh, and, and play in. But, you know, with these blockchain gaming games, we're seeing all, you know, all pay to win mechanics really. Um, and, and I'm just wondering is that going to be a staple of the blockchain gaming industry? Or are, are we going to see companies come out with ways to integrate NFTs, but not have you know, pay to win features? Uh, or will they struggle to, to monetize if they do that? Right. Do you have thoughts there?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, unfortunately, that's what the majority are going to be somewhat pay to win. But a lot of these games are also giving free to play avenues for players to earn, just not as much. So I talked to a team that's coming out with a game called Metacore, and it's a, uh, a 50 versus 50 mech battle game. Um, it's being developed by the guys who also develop Gears of War. So like AAA quality stuff. Um, and uh, they're talking about, you know, these mechs are going to be NFTs and uh, they're going to try to make them affordable. But some of these huge mechs are going to go for a ton of money. But they also have these free-to-play options where you can be just a standalone you know, human character. And while you may not have uh, sort of the same effect in battle, um, you can still earn uh, some of their in-game currency, but just do it slower. And I think that's sort of uh, the model that a lot of these games are going to go towards is that they want to cater to people that are going to spend a lot of money, but also try to onboard free-to-play players. Um, I don't see a lot of games really going the complete free-to-play route. Um, There's a couple uh, TCG card games that are trying to do that. Skyweaver is totally free, and the only thing that changes um, for NFTs is sort of the background of the cards to make them look shinier or something. Um, But unfortunately, a lot of these games, especially some of these AAA games that are coming out, they're going to have some onboarding costs.
1: Yeah. You know, I I agree. I think the, you know, if you have a good enough of a game, you can do it, right? But you know, with the money that's in blockchain gaming now, it's going to be hard for a, a re- relatively small studio to compete with some of the AAA guys, uh, and just try to monetize through through the blockchain and through NFTs. That's interesting. What you you mentioned with Skyweaver, Weaver, um, you know, how they're already trying to do that. I, I met uh, a company at Decentral, which was a, a DeFi and NFT gaming conference in Miami. Uh, he was trying to do the same thing. And he was he was mentioning how he didn't have traction, right? He was having a really tough time monetizing the game because, you know, when people get into blockchain gaming, they're kind of, you know, they're kind of looking for pay to win. They're kind of looking right. to get into these games early. Uh, and because they did so, you know, they want to leg up on the advantage or they want a leg up on the, uh, a, a up on the, the opposition. Um, so, you know, I think it's an interesting thing that we'll see kind of unfold over the next couple of years. Um, where I think some games will have to, you know, be free to play. And you know, not all games can be pay to win. That's just not how the, the gaming system operates. Not every game right. is, is strictly an esport. sport um, But, uh, you know, it, it's certainly interesting stuff. And that kind of brings us to Ubisoft, right, who is a AAA studio. Uh, they just announced their entrance into the NFT industry with Ubisoft Quartz, right? Quartz is a cosmetic-based NFT kind of marketplace uh, for Ubisoft gamers and players to, uh, you know, accumulate in-game items. And in these in-game items are cosmetics, right? They're not weapons. They're weapon skins. Um, they're not boots that make you move faster. They're boots that look cooler. Um, so it's interesting that we're seeing the, the AAA studios come into it with, from a different angle than we're seeing that the native blockchain developers come in. Uh, do you have thoughts as to why Ubisoft maybe went in the direction they did? Is it just a, a test run? Uh, is it what they see as the future of the you know the, the real use case for for blockchain is to put it into a AAA game and then just basically provide tangible ownership to to the asset owners. Um, what are your thoughts on Ubisoft's entrance? Would love to hear about that.
0: Yeah, um, I mean I think it's huge, honestly, and it's a really big step forward in uh, onboarding a lot of traditional gamers. And I, th- I think it's really just them sort of dipping their toe into the water and seeing what the reception is from their community, um, seeing. Uh, sort of what the floor prices do if uh, people decide to sell their NFTs. And I think the the biggest signifier is the fact that they did this in Ghost Recon and um, a game that's been out for a couple of years. So they're not doing this you know, with their new IP um, straight from the get-go. Um, so I think they're really just... This is sort of the, the lowest move that they could do. And actually, um, on... Um, what is it, uh, Shroud, was talking about this for a while, and he kind of felt the same way that, you know, NFTs are, they are the future in gaming, um, and Ubisoft is just sort of one of the first studios to get in there. And even um, EA's um, president, they were talking about how eventually they're going to have to get into the NFT space because anyone who doesn't is sort of going to become the blockbuster of blockchain. Um, Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember Andrew Wilson. I think you mentioned that on the last earnings call. Earnings call. Um, you know, I was kind of surprised to see it thrown in there, but it just shows yeah. you how seriously all these companies are taking uh, the the blockchain and the NFT gaming space. Uh, you know, I, I it's funny. So, so Call of Duty, the entire ecosystem kind of got revamped uh, after Fortnite, right? Fortnite kind of completely changed how gaming companies monetize their games. Uh, you know, they they showed that having a central hub, having a free to play model. Was, was really how you how you monetize. You needed as many people as possible. You needed a community. You needed reason for people to want to show off and impress and to do so via uh cosmetics, right? And Call of Duty kind of completely ported their ecosystem from you know, solely being single, you know, $60 game titles each year to having Warzone, right? And Warzone is, is right. where Call of Duty monetizes. Uh basically they sell their $60 game titles each year. Uh but you know what a lot of players people Players Will do is basically just you know play these games to to look better in warzone to get better weapons for warzone to have better uh, camos and 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 things on along that nature, and really what what they did is they made you know the the weapon so customizable right there's so much specificity that you can put into each weapon. It's like they're just asking for it to be ported to an NFT-based ecosystem, right? Absolutely. You know, having each attachment be an NFT it, it, it is in you know another thing is that the war zone it basically takes guns from every Call of Duty, right? So Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019, Cold War from last year, and now Vanguard, all of the weapons are in Warzone, and they're not going to plan to to stop with this, right? That's the whole point. It's it's a, it's a forever franchise, right? They're trying to keep it forever. Uh, and, and basically they're just, to me, it's like, they're, they are so well poised to enter the NFT market, uh, you know, turn these cosmetics into NFTs, uh, provide tangible ownership. Uh, you know, it's actually something I'm, I'm really looking forward to because I don't know if they did it intentionally. Uh, but to me, it seems like they're so well poised just to to enter the, the industry.
0: They really are. Yeah. Um, completely agree with you. And I think on top of sort of major studios getting into the NFT space like Ubisoft, I think it's also very important to see where some of the talent is going. Um, so, people are leaving Ubisoft and EA to go to some of these blockchain studios. So, um, like I said before, Metalcore, you know, it's being developed by guys who worked for Epic Games. So, they were able to steal some of the talent there. And Gala Games has a game that's being developed uh, by, by the uh, guys who developed Call of Duty and Halo. And they also just announced the game where they're partnering with The Walking Dead universe. Um, so you can really see a lot of the talent isn't necessarily staying with some of these huge studios. They want to sort of jump on this blockchain bandwagon. And so a lot of talent is actually leaving traditional gaming currently. Yeah.
1: No, it, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's interesting, but it's also awesome to see uh, how this is happening, right? Um, yeah. You know the the the, the core game you you mentioned that sounds pretty interesting and you know given they came from Epic Games, uh, you know another recent bit of news from the industry is that the Epic Game Store oh no no so Epic Game Store is going to allow NFTs right but but Valve and the, and the Steam Store are you know they they banned NFT assets any game with with crypto uh, involved with them uh, what do you think pushed Valve to make this move are they wrong for doing so are they are they trying to protect themselves from uh, uh, uh immature and, and new industry.
0: Um, you know. I think a lot of it, yeah, I think a lot of it is protection. And uh, um, I was talking to a guy earlier today and, you know, he seemed to think that they're kind of protecting themselves from the SEC and trading assets um, that the SEC clearly isn't happy about, um, as we've seen with some of their lawsuits with other blockchains. Um, So I think a lot of that just has to do with them sort of protecting their own wallets. I don't think they care about blockchain games as much. They just care about protecting sort of their investors and making sure they don't get into these huge legal battles with the SEC. But it was very interesting that literally, you know, the next day or two days after that, Epic Games comes out and says that they want to fully embrace um, innovation so it seems like they really found an opportunity to sort of capitalize on uh, Steam going this route.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. It's kind of like how right after Apple won the Super app at Google Play came out and said, oh, we're, we're only going to take 15% now. Right. Um, and, and one of the things I think these these blockchain games serve to do is kind of separate, uh, separate and, and, and kind of stop these publishers from taking so much of that money. Uh, right, you know the App Store and Google Play. Right, if if the the games simply connect to your MetaMask wallet and all transactions are done via a website, right, you can kind of circumvent all of the the monetization that Apple and and Google are making from your games. You know that seems like something that that will turn into a problem. Uh, you mentioned the SEC was was getting into bouts with a couple crypto focused. You know, game developers. I, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. Uh, you know, any specific, uh, you know, recent happenings that have, have caught your eye and 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 really taken place.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the main one is the lawsuit that they've been having with Ripple, which is um, still probably a top ten, top twenty blockchain, but they really sort of single signaled them out um, as far as. Um, them being declared a security and being able to trade them. I'm not sure of all sort of the legal jargon, but um, it's pretty clear that the SEC is kind of, um, they're more in the pocket of, I wouldn't say in the pocket, but on the government side of traditional fiat money. Um, And they don't like this whole decentralized economy because it's kind of hard to regulate, especially for them, which is all about regulation. Yeah. Um, so they've been going after them and they've kind of been dragging their feet and it seems like they're kind of waiting for some type of settlement between Ripple and them, but they really haven't gone after anyone else because all of their focus is on this Ripple lawsuit. But I think probably in the next year or two, it's going to end up getting thrown out because there's just been no leeway uh, happening there. Um, But it's it's sort of interesting to see that that's sort of the biggest um, government regulation going on right now is sort of this lawsuit with Ripple. And you see other countries kind of trying to ban it or encourage it. Some companies or some countries are coming out with their own cryptocurrencies and are fully embracing it. So it's going to be very interesting to see in the next few years what kind of regulations come out for cryptocurrency because it is coming. Um, it's just a matter of time.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. Ripple, that's been going on for a long time. Uh, Ripple. When I first got into cryptocurrency, um, you know, this was four or five, six years ago. Ripple was like maybe one of the biggest names, maybe you know, yes. top three, absolutely. Uh, and and you know, I always remember seeing Reddit threads where people were like, you know, I wouldn't trust Ripple. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on here that that we don't know about. Um, so so it's kind of interesting to see that the SEC is cracking down on them. Um, you know, I know there's obviously the investigation on Tether. Um, you know, that in itself, right, I, you know, I've read articles where it says only 3% of Tether is backed by, you know, liquid U.S. dollars. Um, and a lot of it is, is held in securities uh, and, and, and debt and, and stuff like that. Um, so I think, you know, you're, you're certainly right when you say all of the regulation is coming Uh, you know, we'll we'll see how it unfolds. But it is, you know, I I completely understand why the SEC doesn't like crypto, right? Right. They are the the main regulatory agency and and cryptocurrency is basically like, you know, we don't want you, you're not, you're not, you don't have any value. You're basically a a centralized agency that makes decisions for a world of people who have different opinions than you. Uh, And, you know, the people should be able to make the decisions, Um, the owners of the assets, uh, you know, it's kind of a democratic, a shift towards a more democratic process in, in currency. Um, so just overall, you know, it, it's all incredibly interesting stuff. It's awesome that it's happening, you know, right here, right before our eyes. Uh, we're both working in this, in the industry. Um, so it, it's just an exciting time.
0: It really is. Yeah, um, it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, a lot of people have sort of described this as year zero of blockchain gaming. And I think the, the grand goal is, you know, in five years, it's not going to be blockchain gaming. It's just going to be gaming. And I think that's sort of what we're all going for.
1: Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. Um, You know, I think one of the, one of the, so one of the biggest things that blockchain gaming needs to do to just turn into gaming, right. Is it needs to crack into consoles, right? Right now it's just PC. There's probably some mobile activity on mobile web apps, uh, I'm not sh- entirely sure what Apple and Google Play have said about blockchains, whether they let them on. Uh, but, you know, console gaming is where the casual gamers are, right? That's where people go to play video games with each other. That's where people go to play more casual games. And and maybe it doesn't make sense, or maybe it's not as important for blockchain gaming to enter there, given that, those, uh, that console gamers are probably a little more casual. Uh, but, you know, I, I just feel that when blockchain gaming, you know, when when Microsoft basically says, "Okay, you can now link your MetaMask wallet to your uh, to your Xbox account," that's when it's it's really going to just become gaming.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's I'm only really aware of one game that's really trying to get into the console, and that's um, 22 Racing Series, um, which is on the Phantasma blockchain and. Um, if people haven't checked them out, there some of their early gameplay just looks completely sick, um, and they're really sort of going for um, an esports look. Also, they have they're getting colleges onboarded, um, and they're really hitting esports hard, um, sort of in their alpha stage right now. Um, but they've talked about how they really want to get on Xbox, they really want to get on PlayStation, and it seems like they might be one of the first games that might be able to do that.
1: Yeah, I mean that's going to be a hard process to do. Yeah, <laughs> it, no, it really absolutely. Um, I, you know, I suspect they'll have some trouble. I suspect it will, will be when a AAA studio gets into it. Right. Yeah. If, you know, I mean, maybe it needs to be, the, the wall needs to be broken down first by uh, a trendsetter for Activision to say, okay, you know, now it it's really easy for us to transfer our economy to uh, uh, the, the blockchain and, and, Increase profits through it and have a better overall reputation for our game and a, and a more engaged process for buying and selling, you know, parts of our ecosystem. Um, but you know, console would it would it, it, that that would just be crazy. That'd
0: be a game changer, absolutely. Yeah. Um,
1: so speaking of game changers, right? Uh, a company that I think we're both very familiar with is Splinterlands, right? Splinterlands uh, Zen Sports has been hosting tournaments for them for about four months basically we got we got in right before the game went crazy right uh, you know it was kind of ridiculous I bought a gold foil card a gold foil legendary summoner for 275 dollars uh and and we use it as prices for our tournaments but those cards are worth a lot more now they're probably worth about you know 2,500 bucks right uh, we still have some in the bag that we're saving for um basically some epic epic tournament series that we'll do <laughs> um but you know, one of the things about Splinterlands that's so interesting is the renting mechanic, right? You know, we mentioned earlier how hard it is, how expensive it is to buy assets in games like Axie Infinity and Splinterlands, right? The games with a lot of players, the assets are just expensive, right? It's it's a pay-to-win mechanic. It's just how these games are, are built. It's how they're monetized. It's how they had to be, right? There's no other way to do it. Uh, it's not, you know, the, the developers aren't evil for doing this. They're they're trying to make a game and they're trying to make it survive, um, but the renting mechanic is really special. Uh, it, it's, it's almost, you know, actually does not have a renting mechanic. Splinterlands is kind of unique here, uh, where basically hard coded into the smart contracts of these cards, uh, you can actually rent them out to other users. Uh, and what this does is it really lowers the barrier of entry to getting into the game, it lowers the barrier of entry to playing at the highest level, and it lowers the barrier of entry to earning. Right, you can sort of earn on a marginal basis where you're paying $25 a day to play the game, but you're making uh, more than that, hopefully, uh, if you're doing well by, by winning battles, winning tournaments. Uh, how important is renting? Is renting the next biggest revolutionary feature in blockchain gaming?
0: I think absolutely. Um, there's people experimenting with it, but Splinterlands is definitely far ahead of everyone when it comes to that. And especially as someone who's put some time into Splinterlands, I can tell you that renting is definitely the easiest and the cheapest way to sort of ladder up. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're renting cards, you're more than going to get sort of your, uh, investment back by completing quests and, um, your ladder rewards. So I think it's huge. Um, it's probably one of the best mechanics. I feel like Splinterlands has incorporated, um, some other games are are trying for it. They haven't been able to do it yet, um, but I think they really need to look at sort of how Splinterlands has done that. Um, the ease of use in their interface is awesome. Um, and I think they've just done a great job. And yeah, it's, it's the next best thing because um, with Axie Infinity, I mean, they have their scholars program, um, which I think is almost kind of broken because you're sort of, you're paying someone else to play pretty much. Um, yeah. I mean, you're giving them some assets and you're sort of, I wouldn't say renting out, but you're almost using them as an employee at that point. And paying other people to play is not what gaming is about.
1: And it's an entirely centralized process, right? It's not hard-coded into the blockchain. It's literally sharing account passwords. Exactly. Uh, I'm actually surprised Axie legitimized the scholarship program without a decentralized component to it. Uh, it's probably much harder to do on Ethereum than it is on Hive because of transaction costs. Right. Um, but you know, it, it really is. It's account sharing, and Axie has said uh, we don't we don't know that these uh, scholars or scholarship programs are legitimate. We have vetted them out. We've done interviews. We've legitimized some of them. But you know, it's your own money. It's your own Axies. It's your own. It's your own your own money. So so be careful. Uh, and I think that can't be the future of blockchain gaming. Right, Axie exactly. needs to figure out a way to decentralize this process. Uh, to, to you know, put an interface in their game that makes it easy, like Splinterlands has. And you know, as you mentioned, Splinterlands is really ahead of the game here on the economy side of blockchain gaming. Right, they have multiple tokens. They have you know DEC, which is used strictly really for purchases and buying cards. But then they have a governance token on top of that. Uh, you know, the, the governance token is SPS. Right, you use it to. Uh, you basically you earn SPS based on how much DEC you own, so it's kind of like the currencies play off of one another. But then SPS gives you voting power. Uh, they haven't done too much with voting power yet. Uh, I know basically in their plans is where you know someone like Zen Sports could say you know okay because we host these these super awesome and epic tournaments, uh, we come up with unique ways to uh, inspire competition, make these events as as fair as possible. You know we should get. You know, uh, ten thousand SPS in twenty twenty two to give away to our, our tournament winners. That's really awesome, right? That's something that was right. just going to bolster the the ecosystem of Splinterlands. Uh, you know, for a company like Zen Sports to basically be able to say, you know, we have the currency that you desire so badly, uh, and and you guys have decided that we do a good enough job, we do a great job running these tournaments. You know, we deserve to give some out. Uh, I think that's really powerful. Um, so, I, you know, I think Splinterlands is ahead of the curve uh, from the the economy side of things. And the economy the economy side of things is what's really important. Uh, the gameplay will come with money, uh, but you need to be able to monetize. You need to be able to create a sustaining economy around your game. And no one has done that like Splinterlands.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. There are so many games that have sort of come and gone in the blockchain space, and they've gone because they haven't thought out the economy. And that is where Splinterlands really shines. Um, they found, uh, great in-game uses for their tokens, um, which is why DEC can retain its value. And I think a lot of that is going to continue, especially with them doing these land sales and sort of having that be another resource for people to spend DEC and sort of circulate the economy more.
1: Yeah. Um, so they, they just did chaos legion, right. Which was their seventh pack drop. Uh, you know, crazy. They're already on. They've already released seven pack or seven unique card sets. Uh, I think Gods Unchained has done something close to that, but maybe only two or three really. Um, Gods Unchained, just like Axie, is built on Ethereum, and they were slowed down for quite some time. Really, uh, you know, it's funny. I think you may play a little Gods Unchained, but you know, if you know the the Forge, the Forge had been down for the Forge been down for the last two years, right? Gods Unchained. It's it's an unbelievably well made game. Uh, you know, with, with great graphics, with great gameplay. Uh, although armor right now is a little overpowered, I have to say. Right. Uh, but what they really struggled with is is being on Ethereum. Um, so it's I, really I,
0: unfortunate too. Is, that's not really is. something they could have controlled. No one saw gas fees going this crazy. Yeah,
1: you know it's it, it is unfortunate um, how how they're they're built on Ethereum and Ethereum is is in a tough tough space. It's still got the great network, obviously. Um, but uh, th- those gas fees are, are, are really something to, to worry about. Um, speaking of Chaos Legion, Zen Sports is actually going to be hosting the, the Chaos Legion Showdown. Uh, it's going to be a tournament on our app and on our live stream, which is on Tw- Twitch and Theta uh, for only Chaos Legion cards, right? So there's 91 cards in the Chaos Legion set. Uh, basically, you know, we're hosting a tournament on January 8th for all of the people who, who own their, their Chaos Legion cards, just bought you know, a, a ton of them and want to battle it out. Uh, so that's going to be really exciting. Uh, you know, I'll be there commentating. Aggie, the CEO of Splinterlands, will be there as well. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, you know, I, th- I think that's all we have time for today. Uh, Nate, I want to thank you. I thought this was an unbelievable first episode of the, the Esports Forever podcast. Uh, you know, looking forward to seeing where this podcast goes. You know, certain, certainly excited to see where, where the Crypto Gaming podcast goes as well. Um, if you want to say a couple words about your podcast, any new episodes that are coming up, uh, I'd love for you to share.
0: Yeah. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's been awesome sharing with you and talking with you about your thoughts on the space. And uh, it's just great to talk to like-minded people who are also excited about uh, the blockchain space. Um, as far as the podcast, yeah, you can find me on uh, any of your podcast directories, Spotify, Apple, Um, It's the Crypto Gaming Podcast, and we talk about um, just all things, NFTs, gaming, and lately we've been having a lot of interviews with some really great game developers. Um, Far Away was an interview we had with a team that just secured a $30 million um, funding round. They have a Battle Royale first-person shooter that's sort of gaining a lot of steam, Um, Duelist King. Uh, as an interview we had last week, Uh, they are a TCG game. And it's they are doing like dollar pack openings coming up in the next week. And um, yeah, there's just all different types of games for all types of people, whether you enjoy hyper casuals, or intense first person shooters. So uh, yeah, there's a little something for everyone.
1: Awesome. Uh, that, That sounds exciting. I'm certainly gonna you know, I've heard a little bit of some of these games, but certainly gonna look in more detail after this. Um, but Nate, you know, it, it was a pleasure to have you on here. Uh and thank you. And and to our esports forever viewers, uh, we'll see you next week with with an, another episode.